morning. And if you have your Bibles, please open to Acts chapter 2. We'll be starting in verse 42 this morning. One of the great joys, and really even the struggles, of being a parent is getting to see all of the ways that your kids are like you. I say it's a, a joy because on one hand, it's good to see the, the good things in yourself, uh, emulated in, in someone that you're raising. But it's also a struggle because you also get to see the, the not-so-good things of yourself intensified in somebody you're raising. And actually, one of the big differences that uh, isn't a struggle for me, but a joy between Chandler and I, is that I uh, love seeing in him his desire, this trait that he gets from his mom, that he just exudes joy over people. Chandler, he is, he is social. He is, I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point, extrovert. And he just gets totally energized by being around people. He didn't take a single nap uh, this year during VBS because he was just so hyped up from being around all of his friends, cheering and celebrating and having a great time. I mean, a kid doesn't know a, a stranger. He'll say hi to every single person that we come across. Uh, but perhaps the thing that brought the, the biggest f- smile to my face recently uh, was when he saw some of the neighbor kids get home from school one day, and he just goes running across the yard saying, My friends are here! My friends are here! I'm so happy! And then there's me, on the other hand. Uh, I'm around people all morning at church, and, and I don't get hyped up. I go home and crash a two-hour nap. Uh, and when I see people out, and, and strangers, and if I'm feeling especially friendly, I might give them you know, a, little, a little head nod, or, or one of these little one-finger waves. Uh, if, I, if somebody comes to my door unexpectedly, I don't go sprinting across the yard. I hit the deck and I army crawl back to my living room before they can hear me. You know, these are just the differences between him and I. And I don't necessarily love these qualities of myself, uh, which is why I love seeing him kind of just blossom into this social butterfly that he is. But I think when it comes to our spiritual lives, uh, we tend to be a lot more like me than we do Chandler. Everyone knows that if you want to be really spiritual and really holy, then you go into a room and and you shut your door and and you study by yourself. If you want to master the art of the quiet time, it's just you and God, or you read a book by yourself, or or you put headphones on and and listen to a a podcast or a sermon by yourself, or you go and you sit under a tree somewhere like it's a Hallmark movie and you pray, Uh, you guessed it, by yourself. And this even kind of bleeds into the way that we worship on Sundays too. We kind of come in and, and we sit down in, in orderly rows and, and maybe shake a neighbor's hand, but we have this you know, personal quiet time at communion and, and we're just kind of all neatly lined up in our own little areas to listen to a sermon. And so for many of us, this is the extent of our connection with the body of Christ, with the church. But as we've embarked on this series these last few weeks to define uh, who we are and who we want to be as a church, I want to look at uh, one of our core values that helps us connect to one another. Our third core value that we want to introduce this morning is that we believe that connection grows in circles, not rows. Now, being an introvert, you know, I used to think that I would be fully capable of living on a deserted island somewhere, devoid of human connection, and and be just fine. But the truth is that we were made to be connected, that we were made to be in community, especially as Christians. You know, the Christian life was not meant to be lived in isolation. 
And we just see a few examples of this throughout Scripture. In the very beginning of God's creation, Genesis chapter 2, God creates Adam, and before sin had even entered into the world, just as everything was God, as God intended it to be, still he looked at Adam and said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Even before sin had marred God's perfection, even as everything was just as he had made it to be, we see that we were meant to be connected. This kind of flows from the very nature of God himself, that God lives in community as the Trinity. That Father, Spirit, and Son, these three persons of God, living in constant community within himself. And when Jesus came, he didn't go it alone, but he called 12 disciples to be his relational and ministry community. Some of you might have been uh, out west before at one time or another to see those giant, incredible redwood forests. If if not been out to see them in person, you've probably seen a picture along the way. They're these massive trees that can grow as tall as 300 feet high. uh, are, Are just a sight to behold. But for me, the really unbelievable, the incredible thing about these massive trees isn't necessarily how tall they can grow, but how shallow their root systems are. Most redwood trees, the roots don't go beyond 14 inches underground. I just think, how can this this 300-foot-tall tree be supported by just over a foot of a root system? Well, the thing is, these root systems grow out, and they become intertwined and connected with redwood trees around them. This network of trees is supporting each other through this underground network of of shallow roots all intertwined together. And I think that can say something about our faith as well, that you can be a spiritual giant and still be toppled if you're trying to do church by yourself. Now, saying connection grows in circles, not rows, is not meant to imply that rows are bad. You know, the, the Sunday morning gathering is beneficial. The early believers, we will see in a minute in the book of Acts, they met on the first day of the week to to celebrate the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And they they gathered to hear the proclamation of the word and to worship and to take communion together. And, And we still do all of these things for the same reason. But if all you do is gather during communal worship, all you engage with are the rows around you, then you can miss out on being connected with others in the body of Christ. It's easy on a Sunday morning to kind of slip in late and, and sit in your row and, and smile and nod at the people around you and leave without ever having made a meaningful connection. In fact, if you were to kind of carry on our value from last week, this idea of each part plays a part, looking at us as the body of Christ. And we could kind of think of, of doing church in this way of, of kind of sneaking in and, and sneaking out and never really making connections as, as being a, a dislocated or a broken bone. You're, you're still a part of the body, but you're detached or disconnected, and we suffer as a result. And so I want to encourage you this morning to choose to be a part of a relational community. That's my goal this morning, is that you would choose to go beyond the rows and find a circle, find a group. And the primary ways that we can do that as a church are through a small group or, or through a Sunday school class. Now, we have a number of uh, groups. We call them at Countryside Home Discipleship Groups or HD Groups. And these are groups that meet all throughout the week uh, to be connected on a smaller level. 
or our Sunday school classes. For, those, for many of you who have been in church a long time, maybe that's your relational community. And even though they're still a lot of times arranged in rows, the idea is that it's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit more connected. These are people that you connect with on a personal level each and every week. And so as a part of this encouragement for you to be involved in a circle, involved in a relational community, a group, or a Sunday school class, I want to give you a picture this morning of what it can look like when we live in this kind of community. And we see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Read with me. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is one of, if not the favorite passage I have in the entire book of Acts. And, and we see this kind of community develop right at the beginning of the early church. You know, at, right at the beginning of this Jesus movement, we see the, the energy and the fervor of the people to be together, to be in community with one another. If you've ever been a part of a, a new church or, or maybe a new business venture, you probably understand what it's like to be a part of, of this movement the way they were feeling as a part of this, this, this closeness, this idea of what we're doing matters, and I'm privileged to be a part of it. I know in the early days of Countryside, there are still a few core families here, a few core people that were part of this from the very beginning, and I just, I, I relish in hearing the stories of those early days, and how people banded together, and how people, you know, were generous with one another, and how they sacrificed to see this thing succeed, and here we are some 50 years later as a result of that. And we see the same kind of energy and the same kind of idea in this early community of the church. Right before this passage, Peter uh, preaches a sermon. And in this sermon, he explains, among other things, who Jesus is and, and why he died. And that in being raised to, to again, we know that he is the Son of God and the Messiah. And he, he tells the people that uh, they, when they realize that the, the one they had crucified was the one they had been awaiting all along, their Messiah, the Son of God, it says they were cut to the heart. They were heartbroken. And as a result of this repentance, they, they said, what must we do? What must we do to be saved? How do we fix this? And Peter says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I, I kind of love Luke's even keel candor here. It just says, those who were accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And I'm thinking, 3,000, that's like, woo! That's like a, that's like a, a spike the football and, and have a foot, I don't know any football dances, but if I did, I'd do one right now. You know, that, that, that's like an exciting moment. You know, 3,000 people came to Christ in one day. 3,000 were baptized and joined this early community of the church. And so here in Acts chapter 2, we find these roughly 3,000 new Christians understand what it's like to live out Christianity together. And we know that the point of this, at this point, the, the Luke's trying to illustrate that there weren't these big churches. There, there, weren't, you know, there were no first Christian church of Acts sprouting up. There were no rows. Christianity was lived out through small groups and, and relational communities meeting together and, and enjoying the presence of God in their midst. 
They, they would meet in homes. They would meet in the temple courts. They would meet anywhere where they could gather together to worship Jesus. These believers engaged in life together through teaching and fellowship and communion and, and prayer and miracles and radical generosity and worship. And they spent time together eating and learning and celebrating and proclaiming the good news and supporting one another. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. Those are the kind of connections that I want to have. And so there's a number of practices that these groups did that I want to encourage us to model as we seek to be more connected with one another. First, we see uh, as an example from them that we spend time together. It says in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day they met together. Every day they came together to worship and to fellowship and to celebrate what Jesus had done in their lives. How many of us really kind of spend time with each other outside of Sunday morning? You know, I'm sure that we've kind of developed some friendships over the years with, with a couple of close families in the church and, and maybe get together for lunch after Sunday or see each other from time to time. But, but how often do we really meet together? I mean, for most of us, it's, it's probably about once a week right here in this room. And that, again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Meeting together on Sundays is really pivotal to what we do and who we are as a church. But if we're only meeting in rows on a Sunday morning, one day a week, we're missing out on the richness, we're missing out on the fullness that comes with living life together. Now, I'm not saying that we need to all you know, meet together every single day. I mean, the church has changed a little bit since the early days of the grassroots movement back in their day. But I can't begin to describe how much my life has benefited from being a part of a, a home discipleship group. Now, our particular one meets on Tuesday nights, and, and I just I love our group. You know, there's about 15 to 20 of us that meet in a home together, and we, we study the Bible together, and we're just we're a family together. And sure, there are some Tuesdays when maybe I don't feel like going, or there's other things that I could get done. There's something else I could check off the, the list of productivity. But never once have I decided to go and thought afterward, well, that was just a waste of time. You know, even for an introvert like me, I love the time I get to spend with my church family outside of our rows on Sunday morning. Most recently, we've gone through a series as a group where we kind of shared our stories together. And you didn't have to share. No one forced you. But I was just so thankful. I, I was so proud of everyone for sharing you know, where they've been and, and where their lives were maybe before Jesus and how Jesus has worked through their life circumstances to transform them into who they are today as Christ followers. You know, that kind of thing doesn't happen just by shaking hands with people on a Sunday morning. That comes from spending time, from sharing life together. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know, a blacksmith working a tool on an anvil doesn't just strike it once or twice. It's only after repeated blows through that his ultimate project is formed. And similarly, we can't be formed into true community through just a couple of points of contact on a Sunday morning. It's going to take repeated connection, time spent together to form true connections. The second practice that we see the early church do that we, would, we should seek to do in our pursuit of connection is that we share with one another. 
Verse 44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. These verses are are probably uh, the ones out of this whole section that are the most amazing to me. Because it's so atypical of who we tend to be, or at least who I tend to be. You know, for most of us, there's kind of one element of the terrible twos that we never really grow out of, that claim of mine. And I just think, you know, how many of us, you know, hold tightly to our income? Or the, the stuff that we've amassed, or the level of comfort that we've pursued, and don't really sacrifice from the core of who we are. I mean, what if God operated the same as we do and said, mine, you know, my son, my grace, my forgiveness, my blessings. Now we see the love of God is a love that gives. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And because the early church shared in this love, and because this love was all sufficient in meeting their needs, no one clung to money or possessions. And no one was forcing these early Christians to give. This wasn't a requirement of church membership. It wasn't a commune. It wasn't a system of economical structure where they had to pool all of their resources together. The verb tense says they were selling. They were in this continual act of selling. The believers might have been new Christians, but they knew what it meant to help their brothers and sisters as needs arose. Again, one of the things I love about our Tuesday group uh, is that we've been able to, at times, demonstrate our love for one another through the ways that we give. Uh, a few months back, we threw a small baby shower for a first-time mom uh, just to get her a few essentials uh, to start off well. You might remember a, a couple of months back, I uh, shared the story of the tragic two-year-old touchdown pass from the water bottle into my TV. Uh, and, and several in our group uh, just anonymously pooled their money and and for us and and significantly offset the cost of a a new one. And I was just so touched by that. I I mean, these weren't things that were necessarily huge needs. They weren't live or die situations, but they were tangible ways to demonstrate the way we share our lives together. And and this sharing goes beyond just sharing financially, but but sharing who we are just in openness with one another. It's no secret that we live in an increasingly fragmented and disconnected world. I mean, social media gives us the illusion that we're more connected than ever, but I think that people would admit to having fewer genuine friends than ever before. And so it can be a little scary or a little threatening to allow ourselves to be, to be known or to invest in knowing someone else at a deep level. Because honestly, it's, it's much easier just to, to stay on the surface or to never reach out to make connections. But when we take the risk of being authentic with a small group of people. We get to experience God's grace and His love coming through others. We get to experience God in new and profound ways through the hands and feet of His people. You see, when connected with people, other people in relational community, we don't just share our gifts, but it's a place where people love and forgive and serve each other and bear burdens together. It's a group that encourages one another and prays through the tough times. It's it's a way to say you're not just a face I see in the crowd that I go to church with, but you're family. And it's yet again another way that we can move beyond going to church and start being the church. 
Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer of Hebrews says, As we see the day of Jesus' return coming closer, we are encouraged to be encouragers of one another. He says, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. He doesn't say shake hands on a Sunday morning and be friendly with your neighbor. He says, spur one another on. Don't give up the habit of meeting together. Become a relational community where you can encourage each other to be more. The final practice that we see modeled in the early church, these small connection groups, uh, encourage us lastly to expect growth. And when we model the, the, late church, the early church, we expect growth. My favorite part of this whole passage um, is that it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And as a minister, or even as a Christian, is there anything more encouraging to read about the steady growth of a church? I mean, and don't we all want that? We want to see people coming to Christ. We want to see them committing their lives to Him. We want to see them joining in service to Him. But there's four words that if we miss, we find ourselves overcome with doubt and discouragement and confusion. Or maybe, on the other hand, we're filled with pride or self-congratulations or an over-inflated sense of ego. You see, Luke tells us, and the Lord added. The church grows by God's hand alone. It's God's action, but our effort as the church learns and the church loves and the church worships, the church grows in strength and number. And when the church looks like it's called to look, when we push past the rows and start forming circles, the world takes notice. What would it look like if the church learned the word of God to, to answer questions the world is dying to know? What would it look like if the church loved, loved its people more than its wealth or resources? What would it look like if the church worshipped, if we gathered together in good and bad in our homes, in our church buildings, in joy and in sincerity? Well, I think it would look a lot like Acts 2 and a lot like the way God intended it to look. So how can we start forming these circles? How can we get connected with one another? A few months ago, I decided... Uh, that I wanted to begin training to run a 5K. And I don't know why. Uh, maybe I was demon-possessed at the time. Yeah, I have a strict no-running policy unless somebody is chasing you. Uh, but for some reason, I thought this would be a great idea. You know, this would be good for me. It would be a neat accomplishment. And so I told Kelsey that I wanted to do this, and, and she laughed and scoffed, as she should have. Uh, and I downloaded an app called Couch to 5K. You know, this program that you know, helps you gradually amp up uh, to run a 5K over the course of nine weeks. The only problem was I haven't run a 5K, and I haven't run it all, and I never opened the app, and then I deleted it. <laughs> when it comes to getting connected, don't do the Bryce Hotchkiss 5K training program. When we talk about something like joining a small group or a Sunday school class or a relational community, it's one of those things like a 5K that makes us say, yeah, that, that would probably be good for me. I should do that. But somewhere between it being a good idea and taking an active step, that commitment falls apart. 
And so I want to encourage you, uh, as you leave this morning, as you leave these doors in the back, you'll see a table out there. And there's a number of small groups that you can sign up to be a part of. Uh, Over the next week or or two, we're going to be meeting together. And these groups meet at different, on different days, different times, different places. There's lots of different opportunities for you to begin, take a step to engage in a relational community. Over the next few weeks, if one of these group leaders invites you on in a personal level to come and be a part of their group, I want to encourage you, challenge you to say yes. If maybe you can't meet outside of a Sunday morning, maybe it's a work situation or whatever, I want to encourage you, you know, find a Sunday school class. Find, find a group that you could be a part of to get connected on a small scale. You know, find something, some, some way that you can branch out from a row and find a circle. I think it's important to know that, that small groups uh, are not the ultimate mission of the church. They're, they're a means to an end, not an end in and of themselves. But that they exist for, as a way for people to engage in biblical community. That helps us to become more like Jesus in every area of our lives. The goal is the same with every other thing that we do. In fact, it's the first value we introduced. That we would look like Jesus. That Jesus would be the center. Because as we form circles, Jesus is the one that we circle around. And so this morning, I want to extend an invitation. First, on a personal level. Because maybe, maybe you have not oriented your life around Jesus. Maybe you've not circled your life around Jesus. Maybe you have not prioritized the things that you do around who Jesus is and what he's done for you. I want to encourage you, that through the death of Jesus on the cross, through his resurrection to new life, we have a picture of what it looks like when we truly love. And we have an opportunity to take that picture and apply it to the circles around us. If that's not something that you've accepted into your life before, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to encourage you to do that this morning. I'll be up front. Some of our elders will be in the back. We'd love to pray with you and talk with you about what that means. For the rest of you, maybe you've made this decision in the past, but you've not gotten connected outside of Rose on Sunday morning. And I want to encourage you simply by telling you that you can't be a circle of one. You can't be an isolated member in the church and, ex- and, and expect to find meaningful connection. Even your own spiritual life might suffer as a result of it, just like those redwoods can grow extremely tall and extremely large, but be toppled if they're not connected together. In the same way, we, if not connected together, are more susceptible to falling. So I want to encourage you to branch out to find a relational community because we believe that connection grows in circles, not rows. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful that you have given us the church, that you gave us this place, this institution, this force for your kingdom called the church and that we get to be a part of it. It's been said that when we give our lives to you, we don't just find forgiveness, we find a family. And I pray that would be true of us. God, I want to pray this morning that this would be a launching point, a starting point for us, 
as we've established this value to be connected with one another, that you would encourage those in this room who maybe haven't branched out before to be a part of a group, whether that be a, a small group uh, or a Sunday school class, that your spirit would be at work on their hearts to move them, to begin to, to, to reach out and seek what it looks like to live in community with one another. God, we're thankful for um, the gathering that we have on Sunday mornings and the opportunity that we have to see each other uh, and to catch up and to, to worship together and to study your word. But God, I pray that you would create in us a burden to go beyond that, to find a group, to find connection that we could share life together and see you work throughout, uh, th- through the hands and feet of your people. God, I thank you for the group that I'm a part of and the blessing that's been to my life. And I pray that each and every person in this room would have the opportunity to experience that same blessing because the connections that are available to us through your people, through your body, through your family. God, I pray for those in this room who still need to orient their lives around you. As we talk about circling up, uh, they've not yet circled around you and made you the center of their lives. I pray that likewise you would burden their hearts, put it upon them to know that they, they need something more, that they need you. Jesus, we thank you for your love that was shown for us on the cross, that you died to take our place, and the hope that we have of new life through your resurrection. And we pray this in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.